Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Aaron Wallner. He's the Chief Marketing Officer at Quantic Bank. And on the show today, we talk a little bit about his path to CMO, where he got his start, and how multivariate testing and other analytical approaches led to his belief around how to be data-led in a responsible way. We also talk about Quantum Bank. It is an adaptive digital bank, and we reveal on the show today that it is likely going to be the first digital bank in the metaverse. So more to talk about in relation to CMO building and marketing organization, how to think about measurement, and the metaverse. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Aaron Walner. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to geeking out about banking and <laughs> fintech and all kinds of things here in a moment. But before we do that, I hear you have an interesting take on being so quote unquote data driven. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I think it meant something for a while and I think it's probably lost its core meaning. And so I developed a little shtick when I was doing some speaking at some marketing type conferences. And one of the things I tried out was opening up with a little bit on, on data. And so just asking a room full of marketers, starting off, uh, hey everybody, 
raise your hands if you're not data-driven, right? And so crickets, obviously nobody raised their hand. Great. So everybody considers themselves a data-driven marketer. What does that mean? Are we making good decisions? How overconfident are we? Let's talk about some of the stakes we've seen made armed with data. And so I think it's just an interesting inflection point as marketers. And if we're all armed with data and we're all making you know, data-driven decisions, what are some of the missteps and what are some of the pitfalls along the way? So I think it's just been an interesting journey for me. Are there any like pitfalls, like big pitfalls that you feel like everyone has run into or, or will probably run into in their career? Yeah, on, on a macro scale, I think it's a lack of understanding or lack of alignment really on the business goals. And so I think it is, it's much easier to stay focused and to be data-driven, let's just say day-to-day in a paid search campaign. Because we can all agree, for example, that cost per lead is the most important metric to optimize against on a you know, day-to-day, week-to-week basis there. But are they quality leads? And I think anyone who's been in acquisition has had the conversation with sales quality versus quantity and that back and forth in the gray area. And it's all good, healthy stuff. When we're talking about something like the quantity or quality of leads coming through, what does it mean from a business standpoint? And so I think that on the macro level, just being able to have some clarity. And I think the biggest skill set that I try and develop within my own team is the choices we make in terms of metrics. I think deciding what metrics are important, that's a huge skill set. I think that that goes from the top down. Makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. And it's, I had these visions of a factory when you're talking about leads coming down, you know, conversion of leads. And it's, to your point, truly important to check the quality of, of the widgets going down the line, so to speak. Otherwise, you're definitely going to hear it from sales. That's for sure. Where'd you get your start? And, and what was the path to becoming chief marketing officer at Quantic? Yeah, it was not a straight one, which, you know, it, it is interesting to have a nonlinear path, but it would have been easier uh, had it been linear. But so it, it was straight in the sense that I've always been in marketing and, and I've always been around data analytics and the role that it plays within marketing. But I started out at a startup out of university, moved to New York City, found this really cool startup. It was called Optimost, was there for about three years. And during that time, we got uh, acquired and swallowed up and swallowed up again, eventually by Hewlett Packard. And it was just a really incredible first experience and foray into marketing. And so I did fall backwards into that. I was not a marketing major in college. In fact, I didn't take a single marketing class. I was, I did, I was on the other side of the business school and kind of saw marketing as the softest space within business. But I certainly had that rectified. And quickly, what we did at Optimos was we were first to market with multivariate testing, right? So the power of statistics in making changes, big and small. And actually, at that point, it was mostly small. And the, the cool part was the multivariate testing in, in the mid-2000s was uh, very cutting edge, right? I think nowadays, you'd be hard-pressed to find a marketing team that isn't doing some degree of A-B testing. But 15, 20 years ago, that was a little bit more rare. And Anyway, multivariate testing is the most complicated form, right? It's not just concept A versus concept B. It's deconstructing a web page right into different variables and iterating through those variables with different statistical methodologies. And I found my home. I was like, this is marketing's not soft. This is some good hard stuff. What brought you to Quantic most recently? Most recently, the last sort of stepping stone that I had. So I've been with Quantic about a year and a half prior to that. 
I was at a fintech called Resolve. And we were early stages and building something really exciting, actually. We were trying to be the good guys in the debt space, something that was really hard because the debt space is filled with, using analogies, a shark-infested pool. It really is a lot of bad players preying on pretty vulnerable populations that find themselves in debt. And so we were trying to use the power of technology, right? We created this sort of platform. We can very quickly and seamlessly connect to your uh, finances and basically give you uh, good humanized uh, options, basically, on how to get out of debt. So it was the power of technology and the human element. And we were in the process of building something great. The pandemic hit. And then right as that happened, it was time to raise money. And it was just bad timing for us. So started having conversations and was introduced to Quantic. And that was over a year and a half ago. And the rest is history. Let's talk a little bit about Quantic and and the bank and how it describes itself. Because it, it if you go to the website, obviously you know this, but listeners out there, it, they describe themselves as an adaptive digital bank. What does it mean to be an adaptive digital bank? Yeah, it means that we're basically open-minded, I think is a nice sort of synonym. And so What's really important to us at Quantic is culture. And I think we believe that it's an inside out approach. So if we feel good, if we actually believe and are genuine about what we're building here, then our customers will feel it, right? Then when we go out there and you put advertising out there and whatever medium, you'll see it and feel it. And the whole will add up in the same way that we were joking before that, hey, who doesn't use data? What company doesn't have a mission statement, right? Show me one. And in that way, we're no different, but ours means a lot to us. And I think it's the meaning part and having our people, my marketing team and, and the full 350 or so Quantic employees really believe that we're, we're doing something different and something worth building here. We were just talking about you came out of the fintech world, you're now at a digital bank, but Quantic's been around for a while, right? What was the origination story, if you will, and, and getting to this point? To me, it's an interesting one. It's a little over a decade old. And so Stephen Schnall, my boss and, and CEO of Quantic, he bought a bank outside of New York City that was in distress right after the, the financial situation falling out of 2008. And essentially, we were a community bank. And it's been, in a sense, a long journey, but it's happened fairly quickly over the past couple of years where digital transformation is another sort of buzzword that especially legacy companies or traditionally non-digital companies like a community bank, they're struggling with this concept of digital transformation. And by the time I joined Quantic, it was already uh, out the other end, which is pretty incredible. And one of the key uh, things that, that brought me here, and I think uh, even over the past couple of years, we've gone all in. Part of it was say it and then do it with the approach. And so <laughs> we quite frankly touted ourselves as a digital bank, maybe a little bit before we fully and completely were one, but it was a really effective approach. And we don't have a branch. We are fully online. And actually today, Forbes ranked us the best online bank of 2022. Wow. That's amazing. Congrats. What was the spark, if you will, of knowing that you needed to go, you needed to be a digital bank? Was it coming out of the financial crisis and seeing what was going on around you? Or was there something else? I think it was just an innate desire to grow and to build. And I think that's what another thing that drew me here and, and something that I enjoy every day is my peer set, the other sort of senior leaders here at Quantic. We're builders and we we prefer building to managing. If you were just to draw a line in the sand between two different types of you know leadership, plenty of ways to do that. One of which is to differentiate between building and managing. And obviously, if you join an established place like a Chase would be you know one of the mega banks or one of the regional banks. 
you're essentially managing. And there's a lot to be said for that. And there's, there's certainly a lot of interesting components to a job like that. But we're builders. And, and personally, I'm a builder. Uh, I built this marketing team and all that we put forward out there in the marketplace. And I love that. I love the aspect of building and figuring it out as you go. I know you're bringing some innovative products to market. How do you think about innovating a digital bank? Because you're already digital, right? But you're, you're still bringing new products and new things to the market. It's hard, right? I think truly, truly innovating is a hard thing. You can have the, the facade of innovation. I think that's obviously a simpler approach. But one of the big things that we accomplished at the end of 2020 was we were first to market to launch a Bitcoin rewards card. So we have a Bitcoin rewards debit card and we touted as the first of its kind because it is. And that is uh, really the best example we have at Quantic of us being innovative because we were first in, the, in a big and complicated thing, which is combining banking and being the custodian of something complicated like crypto. And how do we actually put the customer first and serve an, an unserved population, right? People who want to earn differently and are interested in crypto and how do we cater to that population? So it's hard. It's much easier to appear innovative is what we're finding out. It's much harder to, to be innovative. That makes sense. And that's combining just the two elements of traditional banking, debit card linked to, I'm guessing, a checking account and crypto makes my brain hurt a little bit, actually. It's it's found an audience. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you would typically associate a credit card with points, but why not? Who's to say a debit card? can't have a, a higher balance and for you to earn something like crypto. And so that was our, that was one of our biggest innovations over the past few years, for sure. You've mentioned earlier, you've been at Quantic around uh, one and a half years. How have you been scaling and growing the marketing team? Fast and furious. We do things in jolts. And when I think about 2021, it really is the, the long arc of building something from not nothing, but certainly the things that we are putting out there now and the cohesiveness we have as a brand, it's just night and day. And I don't love the phrase building the, the plane as it's in the air because who would want to be in a plane while it's being built in the air? But we took that approach. And one really good example that I have is that we brought in a creative director in late Q1 last year. So we had a designer. And one of the things that I had done, look at the missing pieces and go a level up than what I first initially thought that we needed, meaning skill set and expertise. And so for data analytics, if I thought we needed a manager of marketing analytics, I went out and found a director who's now a VP and she's incredible. She's just producing incredible things for us. And we're building a team under her. And the same goes for our creative director, who's extremely uh, talented, obviously also a big thinker and uh, a bit of a strategist. We did not have brand guidelines, believe it or not. And instead of workshopping and going out and doing lots of research, which is obviously costly, but also time consuming. We did it in, in bits and pieces. So we did some research to a, a reasonable extent. And we also did some live testing, lots of A-B testing, quick market research. At the end of the day, we, we built this thing as we were flying and we were midway through redesigning our .com when we produced our, our brand guidelines. And so that was a really great, I think, accomplishment for my team. It's something that sort of proved out. I think when we started, I specifically was unsure. I didn't show that to my team, but it certainly worked out. And it was a bit unconventional, right, to actually have the guts to, to put stuff out, to test and to iterate quickly. We've slowed down. I think there was too much speed there. It's always a trade-off, but we've certainly slowed down as we've settled into ourselves here. 
It's definitely hard to do that. But as you describe it, I'm thinking of like a master craftsman in his woodworking shop and actually getting to mold something like the .com site as you're trying to figure out how this brand needs to live in the real world actually gave you a pragmatic problem to solve and push and pull against the brand. Because many folks, I'm sure you have done a rebrand in the past as well. And you can't always think about all of the applications the brand needs to live in. And and invariably, there's some tweaks after a brand identity is done. There's like little things that you forgot to consider or applications that you need to do. I, I don't know. Did, did you find that even though it was painful and would have liked to have had it done before, but it worked out nicely. Did you think that the having that active program, that active application of it helped to see it and bring it to life more clearly for people? Absolutely. Yeah, I think practice is always better than theory, right? And that really, that, that exercise of brand guidelines is typically an exercise in theory. And I think going through it and putting stuff out there in different formats on different platforms at taking a pulse check, does this feel right? Does this look right? Does this fit with the other four things that we put out there? Much more challenging, but you know what? We know who we are. I think the the pitfall of creating something like a brand guideline is that it's this beautiful document that collects dust. And yes, it's a beautiful document that kind of collects dust, but we refer back to it. We referred back to it twice today in various meetings. It really helps us. We're thinking about how to, we had a brainstorm meeting. We have a pretty cool new feature coming out soon. And we were brainstorming different ideas. And we were able to ground ourselves pretty quickly with basically what came out of that, that, that exercise where we put everything out and we practiced it and not just lived in that theory land. Well, as a you know, fast growing company, architecting your new team over the last year and a half, you're using partners and tools and technology behind the scenes. How do you think about investing in the right people versus the technology? Yeah, I think it's been a key to our success, if not the key, which is it's really tempting when you step into a new place as a leader to gut the technology. I think that you really have so many options. And I think that you grow comfortable with what's worked for you in the past, right? So if you're a Salesforce guy or gal and you get a new leadership position somewhere else, your first instinct, if they have HubSpot, is to gut it. And that usually entails a very long and costly thing. And the funny thing is, typically you would do that without diagnosing or thinking critically about what are we trying to solve here? And that's a shame. And I think I tried to, I did my best to take a few breaths, right? When I first joined to assess the tools and the systems that we had, we, we have HubSpot, for example, is our CRM, and to collect feedback and to try and actually think critically and, and structure that to, is this something that is solvable with people in process? And largely I concluded that it totally was. And so First came the people, then came the process, and we more or less kept all of the basic pieces in our technology stack. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We more or less kept. We added on a few pieces along the way, of course, but the core pieces we kept in place and it was not a quick road to victory. But I think anecdotally, if you ask folks, what did you think about our CRM today? They'd say it's great. It works. And it's the same CRM that they said stinks a year plus ago. It's funny, to your point, I think you said this earlier, that it's, it's like how you use it as well, like framing it in the context of how it should be used and making sure you have the right people in the process surrounding it. Technology rarely solves a problem, I, I found. <laughs> it's the combination of the people process and technology that solves the problem. It'd be nice if it was the solution. And there's so much technology that's sold as the silver bullet, right? But yeah, it rarely is. So anyway, you've got like this testing background coming out of multivariate testing. You have a digital product and service and you're marketing that, I'm assuming, mostly in digital ways. How do you balance what is worth it to measure versus what is not worth it to measure? Yeah, that's for me the hardest part. And one of the things that I spent a long time working on, so I, sp I split my career between the agency side and, and running marketing for the fintechs and, and digital banks of the world. And on the agency side, I spent a great deal of time with marketing analytics and trying to tackle questions, mostly for financial institutions, Chase or Bank of America or City National Bank or BBVA, or some of my clients along the way. And actually thinking critically about top down, what matters. And one of the, you'll see this more and more now, but measure what matters. Sounds great, but what matters? I, I think that aligning at the top and one of the things that I try and coach is, and this is something that was a fairly recent revelation for me, start with words. And that's hard to say as like a diehard data person, which I am to a degree, but with a grain of salt, right? And so to me, that North Star approach, if you start with words above numbers, that will lead you somewhere. And I think that starting with a really great North Star that everyone is aligned with and agrees with really goes a long way. I'll do a quick little example of how words matter and have meant something to us and something that we actually, actually measure ourselves against. And I'll try and explain what that means. But in our marketing onsite, so we're dispersed across the country. Luckily, we're built remote. And so while we're headquartered in Manhattan, in Rockefeller Center, Nobody lives in Manhattan. I left New York City about a little over a year ago, as did a lot of folks on my team, and we hired all over the place. And two to three times a year, pandemic allowing, we get together uh, in our One Rock office, and it's fantastic. We spend three days, and uh, the cool part is that we allow ourselves to focus on the fact that we're together first. In our last onsite, we did an exercise at the end where I didn't say a word, I just facilitated, but I got up next to the whiteboard and I said, let's start tossing out words to describe who we want to be as a team. And it's really incredible exercise that unfolded where at the end of it, we had about 20 words on the board. Again, I didn't say a peep. I just wrote down what, what my team uh, was saying. And then I started to draw shapes next to words. Okay, fail forward, which was one of the things, one of the words that we used to describe ourselves. Let's put a triangle next to that. What other triangle, what could we group with fail forward? And so we started to do some groupings and we ended up with, these five sort of pr principles, these five shapes that group together these synonyms, these words, these adjectives that we used to describe who we wanted to be as a team, our North Star. And we came up with this slick phrase of who we wanted to be. And then we went off and printed a bunch of t-shirts with it. And so like, 
if we're on a meeting twice a week, I'll see someone on a Zoom meeting with our team shirt, with our with our sort of identity on it. And so that that was just a nice exercise. That's North Star stuff. And so that's soft and squishy. But what I've learned over the past couple of years, especially, is that stuff really matters. And so how do you measure against that? So one of the things we did last week was we did a Dundee Award ceremony, if you're familiar with the office. And so we sent everybody a trophy, a Dundee trophy to their home. And we had a ceremony and basically you won the award for one of the synonyms that we came up with. And so that was just a nice way to acknowledge and make sure that we're uh, actually becoming who we aim to be from an identity standpoint. And we're trying to bring those words to life sort of thing. That's a great example. I appreciate that. And it makes a lot of sense. It, you know, starting, I, I wasn't 100% sure what you meant by starting with words, but if you can describe what it is that you want to become, to your point, it probably provides a lot more focus to then how do we actually get there? That's right. Cool. It sounds like you're having a great time. You're having good success. I hope it continues. And one of the things we like to do on this show is switch gears and get to know you a little bit better as well. And my favorite question to ask everyone that comes on is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? One that comes to mind is when I was on the agency side, I was one of 10 people running the business in, in New York City. And we had about 150 people in Bangalore, India. And so once a year, for a couple of years, I would go to the India office. And the second year, I went there to build up our CRO practice, our conversion rate optimization practice. We were getting more business and our clients were more interested. I remember um, we just won a big project with, with American Express, specifically for conversion rate stuff. And so it was time to go, to go out there and build up that practice and certainly came prepared right, with material and, and things to train up on. But the weekend leading up to that, I was in this really nice hotel in Bangalore and sitting by the pool. And I remember getting post-it notes from my room. And I spent the next two days uh, basically coming up with a new and better version a framework. And that was a really exciting moment for me. It was the first true framework that I had come up with in terms of how to approach conversion rate optimization and to think about different opportunities with what button color do you change things to? It sort of comes down to the brass tacks of the small things that you would tweak. But anyway, it was a really exciting moment for me to come up with something that was my own. And it was in a pretty memorable place, which is in Bangalore, India. And I think that ever since I've been excited about what I call shaping fog. You got like this foggy mess in front of you. How do you give some shape to it? Developing frameworks has been something that I've really enjoyed ever since. That's a nice story. And I appreciate the visual too of being in a foreign land and somewhat isolated, if you will, from as you're preparing for the week. That's interesting. It brings to mind a trip I had to India that was not as memorable for positive reasons. And so I got detained in the Delhi airport <laughs> of all places. You got out, I can see. So that's good. I did. I did. I did. But but it, it brought to mind that experience for me. It was also very vivid and, and memorable. And the funny thing is, must have been confused with somebody else on one of those lists that you don't want to be on. And I now have every number you can have as a U.S. citizen to not be, not to get through and not to be detained in the future. But it was just funny. It was funny. So we've both had interesting experiences in, in India. But back to you, what advice would you give your younger self if you're starting this journey all over again? guess in two words, calm down. I was, yeah, I was running hot, especially for the beginning part of my career. I just remember always needing something more. And it manifested itself earlier on in my career as being really focused on quick promotions and stuff. 
And what I've learned is that it's not linear. You make jumps and you make jumps when you least expect. And this really, it was funny. I was at a company party. I think it was a Halloween party. It was like four or five years ago. And we were at this great bowling place and having a good time. And there was this really sharp young guy, mid-20s. And he just, he could not stop talking about how he should be an associate director of paid social. He was a senior manager of paid social. And he just, he couldn't uh, enjoy the evening without just being upset that he wasn't a associate director. And that to me was the moment, and like things come, I'm, 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 I could be slow at times. And that was, I saw myself in him so much. It was actually pretty painful for me to, to listen and, and to acknowledge that, wow, that was me for a long time. Yeah, calm down so would be the, the advice I give my younger self. Is there a topic you think marketers should be learning more about or you're trying to learn more about yourself? The things that we're doing today are different than what we were doing two years ago or four years ago. And you can just go back every two to three years. It's just slightly different. And then if you add those periods up, it's completely different. And so what that represents to me is just the ongoing sort of frontier. And it's dizzying, right? And I think a lot of the big players in the space have made it simpler because quite frankly, they've had Google before a couple of years ago, before they really consolidated their, into Google ads and made sense of it, right? With, and before then it was like different logins, different experiences across display, across search, across video. And so I do think that some of the biggest players in the space have simplified it for digital marketers specifically. But yeah, it's really hard not to be mesmerized and almost distracted by all the things, all the platforms that you could be doing. And I think not doing, it's one of those things I tell my team, just because we're not doing this just because. So we're not going to do connected TV just because, just because it's the next shiny thing. But let's explore the metaverse because there could be something there. There could be something really splashy. There could be something really cool about being uh, the first digital bank in the digital universe. And so I think it's just not chasing shiny things, but looking at them closely and asking, does this serve our greater objective? Does this fit strategically? So Aaron, you mentioned uh, moving into the metaverse and we have to double down on this. So you are going to be a bank in the metaverse. How does that work? Yes, indeed. Yeah. This came up really as a concept just a few weeks ago, but we're running fast with it and we're going to be in the metaverse. And the idea being that we're going to be the first digital bank in the digital universe. And uh, we're figuring out the details, obviously, and it'll be a little bit of time until we pull it all together. But we're in the process of building a virtual HQ place where people can actually experience in 3D a, a digital bank experience. That's amazing. The first digital bank in the digital universe (laughs) that has a ring to it. Yeah, it sounds okay, we think. And I think the trick is going to be bringing it to life in a meaningful way. Some of the things that we're considering at this point is a way for us to hook into NFTs, make it meaningful. And there are different ways that we could bring that to life. But one of the, and this is a cool part of working and growing companies that you could try stuff pretty quickly. And one of our recent ad campaigns was bank digitally, the only thing you'll miss is the lollipop, just so playful with just a, a visual of a lollipop sort of thing and playing off what we all experience as children going into your traditional branch. And one of the things that we're exploring is giving away lollipop NFTs and having that be uh, a proof of attendance protocol, which is a type of NFT, and having that be redeemable for perks and different things that we're trying to incorporate on the product side. So 
very much figuring out the details, but conceptually we think it's there and we're, we're on our way. If you were thinking about the world and noticing things going on around you, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? The most recent example that sticks out is Ally, which is technically a competitor, so kudos. There, anytime an ad campaign gets organic coverage as a good ad campaign, that's obviously a good sign. And I think they've done a really good push nationally with a really good campaign. I think that's connecting with their audience. One of my favorite campaigns from one of my favorite companies, Spotify, this is probably five years ago or so at this point, but they were the first to make an actual data-driven ad that was compelling and fun and memorable. So I don't know if you remember walking around the subway or they, they were pretty national with it, but with the stats in terms of the most listened to, top this, top that, and they just accessed the data that was right there in front of them and put it forth in this really compelling way. And people were just flat out interested. And now I think if you're on Spotify, you just look forward to your end of year summary and you share that with friends. And there's all this incredible organic conversation that's happening around the basic statistics of what are you listening to? I thought that was really incredible. I also like the Spotify example. I haven't seen that ally. I'll check the, I'll check out their latest ad campaign, but, but with Spotify in particular, I mean, it's a great example because we think of any other company that has put their the data collection that they have on all of us that listen on Spotify it spun it in such a positive way to your point like I do look forward to my end of year warped or whatever they call it this year to see how many times I listen to specific songs I'd like to try and see a company like Facebook or, or Meta come out <laughs> come here are all the things that we know about you how would that go <laughs> yeah, not too well, I think, at least right now. It, maybe if they had started that way, it would be different. And I think Spotify, to your point, it's been a number of years since they started the original campaign that you were talking about. But maybe it was just authentic to them and now we expect it. Yeah, they're of course, they're tracking what I'm listening to. That makes perfect sense. And I'm getting value from it somehow. Anyway, last question for you. What do you feel like is the largest opportunity or threat to marketers today? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the positive, with the opportunity side. And I think it's the recent transition from marketing with a capital M being more associated with big branding and big TV commercials, which is a traditional, what you would think of as marketing if you weren't in the industry, maybe outside looking in. And marketing equals growth. Right? I think if you look at, especially early stage startups, they don't have a CMO, they have a head of growth. And that head of growth is essentially the head of marketing. And I think those two things becoming one is a really interesting development and a massive opportunity for marketers because at the end of the day, you're marketing for a business and that business needs to grow. And so the campaigns that you're running obviously uh, need to perform. And so I think that's been fairly obvious for a number of years now, but going into the biggest threat, I think it's getting lost in the, in the maze of ROI and the immediacy of evaluating everything on a very ROI type basis. We all need to make sure that uh, our investments are paying off. I don't want to dismiss that. But I do think that, you know what, there's a reason that the average chief marketing officer has a lifespan at a company of less than three years. I think it's closer to two and a half. And to me, a big part of that is that threat of just getting lost in the immediacy of payoff. And I think it goes back to what do you measure? What do you choose not to measure? And the fragility of that. But yeah, I think that uh, marketers just have this massive opportunity in front of them because 
you know what? You're the purveyors of growth, right? You're the you're the growth drivers. And to me, that's really exciting. And that's been something that I've been happy to do my best to bring growth to, to Quantic. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.